Hello, Chris. Hello, Jordan. Hello, everyone. Hi, everybody. I guess we survived. We did it. We listened to all 14 Big Shiny tunes. We listened to every single song, all of every song. There were a bunch that I wanted to skip. Mm -hmm. I didn't skip any of them. Every song of Big Shiny Tunes 14 making us, the more I think about it, the only two people to have ever done that. If you are listening to this podcast and you two actually listen to all 14 of the Big Shiny Tunes compilations before even hearing us, please get in mm -hmm. touch because we understand what you're going through. There's a lot to process. You don't have to be alone in this. Yeah, yeah. There's uh, know that uh, you you are in um, good, miserable company, uh, and uh, we're here for you. There's been a lot of suffering. We we told uh, listeners that it was our last episode when we covered fourteen, but I, I it'd be fair to call this the epilogue of this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is a nice this is a nice sum up. It's a sort of how are they? What happened? You know, this is the five years later yeah. <laughs> part of the movie where <laughs> Big Shiny Tunes 14 ends, fades to black, dead, I guess. No, life goes on. Um, yeah. Surprisingly. Yeah. It's when <laughs> Harry Potter and Ginny uh, see their kids off at the station, <laughs> platform nine and three quarters. Chris, I, I got to tell you, first of all, um, do you know how many songs we listen to? <laughs> uh, let's see. Average of like 18 per album, 14 albums. About 200 songs. Holy shit. Look at Rain Man over here. That was some fast mathematical processing. I'm, I'm impressed. Uh, 258 songs we listened to. Oh, <laughs> close. Close. <laughs> um, and, but also just 14 years of uh, lived experience, if you're still mm. alive, uh, if you're dead, uh, listening to this from the great beyond, well, thank you for tuning into the material realm again. Um, <laughs> uh, and I... Started my day off with a meditation, listened to a lot of bird sounds happening. And then after my meditation, I realized I didn't even want to think about this. And so I, mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, in true Big Shiny Tunes form, I slapped this together last minute and uh, called it a thought. <laughs> yeah, I've already started drinking. That's how I feel about it. <laughs> I, uh, I, I listened, I woke up this morning, I made myself breakfast, and I was looking at the Wikipedia pages and uh, my notes from all the albums and just sort of skimming through to see what stood out and everything. Cause we had, we, we've got a couple topics that we wanted to cover and we're going to ramble a bit and, um, couldn't bring myself to listen to songs really had to like yeah. go by memory of, Oh, I, I hate this. Yeah. <laughs> that, was, that was as close as I could get. There were a few songs that popped into my head, uh, drinking in LA got stuck in there and I ended up listening to discosis by brand band 3000 afterwards. Mm -hmm. But, um, but yeah, just couldn't, could not face the idea of listening to any of the terrible songs again, uh, just to double check. So just just a kind of recap of the whole experience, I think, is what we're trying to do today, where we've kind of broken things down into a little bit of a bit more of a compartmentalized list, which, uh, like any traumatic experience, it's all about compartmentalizing. <laughs> Goddamn right! You need to you need to break the trauma down yeah. into small, manageable pieces. I, I still believe that the um, atrocity, if that's not too big of a word, that much music unleashed onto Canada is too big to process on some level. That we'll never really be able to fully un encapsulate, and, and I think mm. that goes hand in hand with um, what we talked about often, and what we'll get to in, in this episode again, uh, one final time, yeah. which is uh, Gus as a kind of overriding uh, current um, that threads its way through 14 years of 
culture, I guess. Is, is, this, is this culture? <laughs> I don't. Mm, it feels more like propaganda than culture, if I'm honest. But I guess it technically counts. Yeah. And I actually, I was thinking, while I was thinking about it today, um, I was really like, uh, I found myself very lucky to be partnered with you on this, Jordan, for a couple of reasons. Uh, for one, for one is um, uh, uh, we hate in very complimentary ways, which is nice. <laughs> that makes it a lot easier. Yep. Um, but uh, mostly because you agreed to do the editing. I think that's the main reason. <laughs> it was. So it was like, while I was going through this, I was like, I kind of remember this and I remember that. And I was like, oh my God, Jordan must remember all of this because he edited every episode mm-hmm. and listened to us talk about it for ages. So you have you have much more in-depth experience of this than I do. I think it's not without any kind of um, uh, significance that I started meditating pretty much the day that we recorded the last episode. (laughs) (laughs) You got to cleanse yourself, buddy. But yeah, I I do think that having this uh, series throughout a global pandemic, if uh, you're listening years from now, we did record this during COVID-19. What's it like in the Mm -hmm. future if you're listening uh, five years from now? Did we... uh, Are you listening to this in a simulation because we no longer have bodies and in order to ward off any virus, you just have to upload your consciousness somewhere? Let us know, right? Tweet us. Uh, <laughs> 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 we'll be glad to... Uh, si- simulations of Chris and m- myself will get back to you, uh, certainly. Yeah. Um, I'm going to be selling my rights to be a greeter at Walmart, so you can find me at the doors <laughs> of any virtual Walmart that you end up at. Yeah, well, so it's... I, I think it's it's circles within circles that this experience was, because there was the uh, difficulty of... Yeah, of listening to all 14 of these week to week. Um, There was the difficulty of readjusting to life during a pandemic. And there was Mm -hmm. the difficulty to uh, hearing anytime I would bomb a joke and have to find a clever way to edit it out of the episode. So listeners wouldn't realize how (laughs) much I stumble over thoughts. But, um, you know, what uh, to, to paraphrase a great man. Uh, got to do something. A, ma- a man's got to do something to keep his mind occupied. What great man is that? Morgan Freeman from Shawshank Redemption. Nice. nice. I can't believe Very they called nice. him Morgan Freeman in the movie too, but hey. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy, especially since he was in jail. Yeah. I mean, that's poetry. That's really well done. <laughs> but he's free up here where it counts. In his mind, he's a free man. Yeah. Just to just to steer this, I think um, like like life itself. Let's start with something hopeful and nice before we yeah. have sobering reality enter the picture. I think it's right to start with something nice because this started out as something nice. This began as a fun, curious passion project yeah. between us uh, because we enjoyed we had fond memories of the early ones. To start this off in a positive note, is right for this podcast because we didn't know how bad it was going to get. No. We we should have known. But... We should have known. We didn't do enough research. We went in blind. Never again. Well, no, but I mean, I, I think we sh- even should have known just knowing what life is like today in a way. Um, but so... We, we were wrong to hope. That was our mistake. So 14 episodes 14 volumes of big shiny tunes 14 years this is 258 songs once again chris out of absolutely out of crazy all the big shiny tunes we listen to 
And and keep in mind, your favorite one doesn't have to mean it's your favorite album of all time. <laughs> yeah, good. <laughs> um, but that being said, uh, what what would your favorite Big Shiny tunes have been? See, so I was really torn on this, which I didn't expect because number one is my favorite in my heart because it's the one that I knew the best and um, brings me the most memories. It's the one I owned on cassette. Uh, number two and number three both have highlight songs on it and overall have a higher standard than a lot of the albums. Um, so I was trying to decide between those and I was looking further down. And then I remembered number nine. And number nine is one of my favorites because that was the one where they started taking risks again. Mm. That was the one where they they partially caught up with where music was. And so nine had, let me just, let me just bring this up so I can look at the track listing. Uh, nine had, uh, that was the first one with Billy Talent on it. Uh, you know, the Killers are on there, Franz Ferdinand. Um, Jet was on there, which I liked and you didn't. Uh, but the Hives, the Darkness, you know, there's fun things, fun new things. But that one was outweighed by how much garbage is on there. You got Yellow Card, you got fucking uh, Tea Party. Uh, I think that was the last Tea Party song. Lenny Kravitz is on there. Uh, the Marble Index, who I don't remember at all, by the way. I don't remember a thing about the Marble Index. They're just gone from my mind, so I assume they were Hamilton terrible. dudes who played in a closet. <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah, I remember those guys. Okay. I, it was in there as like a maybe because... But then I realized even, that that was like... Yeah, even the Tea Party uh, took it up a notch for Tea Party. Yeah, <laughs> right? And so that was... I think that was... Um, that was among my favorites in the same way that when you've been crawling through the desert, the first glass of water you get is the best water you've ever had. Okay. Um, but I think overall, I think it's gotta be one is my favorite in my heart, but I think the best album is, I honestly can't decide between two and three. (laughs) I don't know because I'll, I'll look at it and I'll be like, I love that song. I love that song, and I'm scrolling back and forth between the two, and then I see a song, and I'm like, but that's f- straight trash. That's Wide Mouth Mason. Get out of here. Um, I'm going to go three. Okay. Um, so just a quick overview for the audience, just so you know. You got Smashing Pumpkins, Ava Door. You got My Hero, Foo Fighters. You got Rob Zombie, Dragula. Rob, Rob Zombie, Dragula. Dragula. Yeah. Three MCs and one DJ. Karma Police, Big Wreck. I am surprised that this one could be your favorite just because of the inclusion of Iris, which I seem yeah. to remember you. But um, yeah, absolutely furious. That it's yeah, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm not going to fight you on this. I, I got to give it to some of the songs on here. And uh, even just some of the bad songs are just straight up funny, like Space Lord. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> uh, that song was one of my favorite songs back when it was released. Yeah, by Big Wreck. By that song, he doesn't mean Space Lord by Monster Magnet. He means that song by Big <laughs> <Yeah>. Rack. <laughs> uh, you got uh, The Penis Go Harder with Garbage. Uh, Classic Money City Maniacs by Sloan. Yeah. And uh, even even the bad songs on here are not a level of bad that um, I think can, you can really fixate on hating. Outside of maybe Iris for yeah. you, which I, I didn't even hate that much. But I, I think as you grew into the rest of the compilations um iris really doesn't seem so bad now does it <laughs> yeah 100 it is no longer anywhere near the bottom of the barrel <laughs> yeah um and even like i mean i would say iris is probably the song that i dislike the most on this 
and then it's Fly Away by Lenny Kravitz. And even then, like, fine. If that's as bad as it gets, mm-hmm. that's a remarkable Big Shiny Tunes. Yeah. Cool, man. I, I think that's that's respectable. Uh, any- oh, actually, sorry. Pure Morning by Placebo. I just saw that. I hate that song. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but but hey, you forgot it was even on there. So there I, you go. I, I, that must mean it's good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What about you, Jordan? Where did you where did you land on best? So I was in my heart it was one and quality was three. I mean, I, I don't know if I'm getting soft in my old age too, but as I said on a previous episode, I'm one of those totally boring dudes who uh still legitimately loves the Beatles. <laughs> it's like even though They're they've been great bands. mythologized and uh I should we should all get over it. Uh my favorite <laughs> my favorite one is number two, which was uh, the most popular. I wouldn't have even considered doing this series if number two didn't exist because of how much I listened to it as a 12-year-old. Yeah, There's totally ridiculous songs on here, but I think just a big shiny tunes in which you can have Prodigy breathe. Yeah, what a song. But you also have Paranoid Android as well. Even though I didn't include this on my top three songs, I think that may have been my gateway into Radiohead anyways. So it's it's funny that two's my favorite because I, I don't even think it's that great. I think there's actually some better songs on number three, arguably, overall. But this is just so tied in with a kind of hope that I associate with making music. Well, like just, just to go through the songs for the listeners. So it's like it opens with Prodigy Breathe, which is arguably the best opening song on the whole yeah. compilation um then song two by blur semi-charmed life by third eye blind walking on the sun by what by smash mouth that's a high quality top four mm-hmm. first four songs yeah that's a fun album it gives you four different kinds of music they're all good in their own way then you've got the sugar ray song that includes super cat they didn't do the racist <laughs> cut which is nice uh brand van 3000s on here drinking in la you got um Precious Declaration by Collective Soul, which we all know is an Ayn Rand dream. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, but like Block Rock and Beats is on here by the Chemical Brothers. Yeah. Paranoid Android, like you said. There's some there's some bangers on this album. Well, and it's just the the good songs and arguably even really good to great songs on here do so much of the heavy lifting that the weaker songs almost it, it almost like builds anticipation for the good songs that are kind of mm. nicely placed throughout the uh slightly less than good <laughs> songs yeah. right yeah because there's some there's some bad on here there's you got uh matchbox 20s on here wide mouth masons on here age of electric yeah there's some ups and downs there's some there's some real downs on this album the germ of terribleness that this blossomed into was there from the beginning too i think yeah it was it was it was seeded pretty early um, i was i was thinking about big shiny tunes on the whole uh, uh, and I was thinking about it in terms of like spirits. Yeah. And when you're, when you're distilling a spirit, it's so like, let's say you're making a, a vodka, right? Um, the first stuff, so you chop off the head and the tails. So the first stuff that comes out of the still has too much alcohol, can't be used. And so you get rid of that. And then you've got the heart, which is the whole middle bit. And then you cut off the end because it's too low in ABV and you can't use it either. Yeah. Um, other reasons as well, impurities and whatever, but we'll just say ABV. Um, and that's, I, so that's how I think about a lot of things in terms of like, is it really good? You know, you get rid of the best, you get rid of the worst, the top and the bottom. And then that tells you where it is. And if you take off the top and the bottom of Big Shiny Tunes, it's a terrible bunch of songs. 
<laughs> it's, it's a really bad overall collection with a very thin high end and then just nonsense. So the fact that even this is like 60% wow great songs is is an achievement. I think what's interesting too is that these are both within a year of each other. This was a specific time in our life mm. where we hadn't become full-on teenagers yet. Yeah, we're still preteens. It's a certain time in a certain place. And also, most specifically, was still in the 90s, which is when mm. this compilation was created. And even looking at these um, two choices we made, number two and three, I think you can see why certain acts that appeared on later Big Shiny Tunes were allowed to exist. And and going back to just before the turn of the millennium, I just feel lucky that I escaped from yeah. from it to some degree. So Yeah, no, feeling the feeling of escape is palpable when looking back on this and sort of seeing what I like now compared to what I was into then. Because these these compilations were aimed at me. Yeah. Even much more so than you, because you were into much more interesting music than I was at the time. And so I was their target demographic for mm-hmm. a long time. And looking back on it is just like, Jesus, like, was I okay? <laughs> what was wrong that I was so angry? Like, now I listen to a lot of, like, Sam Cooke and Harmar Superstar mm-hmm. and a lot of hip-hop and uh, uh, and jazz. Yeah. And I know I'm, like, I'm in my 30s now, so, you know, obviously, like, I've mellowed. But, um, but the idea of having this nameless rage this great unknown sadness living in my living in my heart and just underneath my skin like it was it was right on the right on my nerve endings yeah is worrying i mean i wish i could ask my parents (laughs) to be like what the hell was i like like what on earth was i doing our parents generation bears some responsibility for this existing Um, I'm not, not to fault our parents. I just mean the age of the programmers and the people that were responsible at much music. These were people, our parents age, uh, maybe a little bit younger in some cases, but probably a little younger. Yeah. But, Gen Xers. But at the end of the day, I think that the top of the, uh, pile, yeah, it was, it was Gen Xers. So, so let's, let's transition into our next part. That would be the worst album. Chris, again, mm. 258 songs of varying mm. quality. It's a nice way of putting it. How did you come to this? conclusion of it being the worst and what would that worst album be out of the entire 14 volumes of big shiny tunes so this time i I whittled it down to two there were two that i was like hot damn this is this is garbage wow this is straight bad and i did it partly by um what did it encourage musically and that's where number 11 is so Big Shiny Tunes 11 is one of my one of my two least favorite because uh, it's the Screamo album. Yeah. And Screamo is terrible. Screamo is one of the very, very, very few genres of music that I feel comfortable saying garbage, top to bottom, bad music. I honestly can't think of another genre that I can say that about. I really think it's just Screamo. And so fuck, <laughs> fuck number 11 for that. Um, number 11, by the way, if you're trying to remember, which because why would you know this off the top of your head? Uh, you got... AFI, Taking Back Sunday, Three Days Grace, 30 Seconds to Mars, Blue October, uh, Angels and Airwaves, Under Oath, Avenged Sevenfold, My Chemical Romance. It was uh, bad. It was a really bad album. But that still had a couple highlights on it. Devil in a Midnight Mass by Billy Talent is on there. Sam Roberts' The Gate is on there. Uh, Post River Girl by Metric is on there. Uh, so there's like there's a couple highlights in there. So I ended up landing on Big Shiny Tunes 7, 
mm-hmm. is the worst of the whole compilation. Let me list the first five songs. Just the first five. <laughs> Too Bad by Nickelback. Youth of the Nation by P.O.D. It's Been a While by Stained. Drift and Die by Puddle of Mud. Nothing Could Come Between Us by Theory of a Dead Man. <laughs> Top five songs. Nickelback, P.O.D., Stained, Puddle of Mud, Theory of a Dead Man. Yeah, that's pretty bleak. <laughs> Go fuck yourself. <laughs> Ooh, it's bad. And then and then when I look at it, like then like Papa Roach shows up later, filters on here, Danko fucking Jones is on here. Who? Um yeah, I never heard of him. Um I think it's the first one that Coldplay showed up on. Um so it just feels lost. Mm. You know, and even then like the highlights of it aren't very high. So you've got like In Too Deep by Sum Forty One back when they were still fun. Get free by the Vines, which is a cool song, but not by no means like a highlight of the fucking set of compilations uh brother down by sam roberts so they're like good songs on here but they're not great like at no point does this album redeem itself yeah you know um and so i would say on the top five alone i would have given it to it but then the fact that there wasn't even a highlight this whole thing hero by chad kroger and josie scott which i know is a fucking wet garbage (laughs) song for me but like it's not good yeah um number seven 2002 hot garbage terrible terrible album went three times platinum sold three hundred thousand units yeah jesus man it's it's really hard to pick a worse one i think do you define it by the depth of the abyss or do you define it by the consistency of awfulness (laughs) Oh wait, it's a it's a nice balance between the two. I think if you went into depth of the abyss, it would probably have to be thirteen, right? The one where it was literally begging begging us to kill ourselves. So those those are again great contenders, in my opinion. I think any of those, specifically seven, your final choice, um, is something that would drive a person insane, probably only having it looped three times in a uh, dark Guantanamo facility. Three times <laughs> is all it would take to break down. Are you listening? <laughs> oh, let me out. <laughs> I even kind of like that song, but nope. <laughs> yeah. I, I have a slightly different take, I think, looking back over everything because I I have to go with where I think the compilation really started to lose its grip but still you can see the last grasping for a lifeline which somehow Mm. makes the choices peppered throughout all the more pathetic um (laughs) and explains i think a lot of where culture went after 9-11 so i i'm gonna pick um number five actually okay as the worst one specifically because on this one you you have songs that I think legitimately are works of art, such as Bloodhound Gang, Bad, Bad Touch. Yeah. But I think that's the only one on there. I, I did like Take a Picture uh, when I was growing up. Mm-hmm. You hated that song, if I remember. Yeah, hate that. Hate that song. That fucking underwater feel. Terrible. Yeah. Let, let's, just, let's just break down the stylistic um, differences of awfulness. So you have one of the top apes of... Gus propagation, Fred Durst with Limp Bizkit. Mm-hmm. But you also yeah. have the incel wine of Weedus. 
the yes. Teenage Dirtbag. I do hate that song. But you also have the desperate attempt for much music to still pump through its own distinct brand of Canadian awfulness. So this is the one that has Jay Englishman, if you remember yes. Jay Englishman. Yes, I do. The uh, the internet video. Yeah. He's on a computer and women won't leave him alone. So so bad that they actually had to have him holding a guitar so you would know he's the singer. That's how milk toast yeah. this person is. Love it. So that these are three different distinct brands of awful already, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Um, Kid Rock, also hilariously awful, uh, this song, Only mm. God Knows Why. Only God Knows Why. But then you also have, perhaps more important than the first time Limp Bizkit was included on the compilation, this is also the first time you have Nickelback included. Mm. It's no coincidence that a lot of our episodes were just different puns using Chad Kroger's name. The The, the distinct awful elements that are in Big Shiny Tunes to come, Chad mm. Kroger is on those ones as well. And I and I don't think you can have an awful Big Shiny Tunes compilation without having Chad Kroger. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. I understand that. Uh, yeah. So I, I see this as the 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 point in which Big Shiny Tunes really doubled down on giving up. <laughs> yeah, on what the rest of the series was, you, like the blueprint for the kind of Gus and. Um, annoying men that appeared on it. Yeah. Even Blink-182 on this one. This is when they... This is with Adam's song. This isn't even like one of their fun, goofy... Like this... Even yeah. Blink-182 is... So this just feels like the the awfulness of this uh, soaks me to my bones. It's not just mm. something listen that you can hear. It's something that's like felt. And... Um, yeah. And Bloodhound... Ga- down is on here. Yeah. So Bloodhound Gang being on that like is no... That's like the fifth song. You still go through 13 more after that. Even the kind of generic uh, Gus, I think, is in songs like Chain. Wonderful by Everclear. Yeah. I guess I'm grateful that we laughed so much with Stupefy. But that, I think... (laughs) So, and and, and since we're we're choosing the one that is the worst uh, album, and since I didn't include this on... Um, my list of worst songs. I, I do have to give a tip of the hat for uh, perhaps what pushes us over the edge is how uniquely awful Stupefy by Disturbed was. So, yeah, it's I, pretty special. I, I think this would be my choice for a worst one because of its nuance of awfulness. But um, yeah, that's I, fair. So that's a good call. But um, I don't know. Let's uh, let's let's find somebody who deserves to be tortured and play them both and see which one makes them break down first. That sounds right. I feel like we need a control group, though. You know, we'll need to have, like... I feel like we play it to just a random person, and then we play them both for someone who likes the albums and see which one they they dislike the least, see where the overlap is. Yeah. Um. So, best album for me, three. Best album for Jordan, two. Worst album for me, seven. Worst album for Jordan, five. Yeah. I like that we're getting different answers here. I think that's mm-hmm. good. Were there three songs to you that, when you were looking back, stood out, and you were like, I am so glad that these songs were on here. Yeah, they really brought it together. They brought something special for it. What did, what did you have? So the three that I had, uh, they span three different compilations. So first up, we got Prodigy Breathe. Uh, yeah, it's, it's on my favorite album. But I think even just it's such a strong song to start with because sounds nothing like anything else on the uh, hmm. remaining two hundred and twenty songs. Yeah. <laughs> Um, it's, it's, I admire its uniqueness. I admire so much about 
uh, I, I even admire that it wasn't, uh, it was a song that like I wouldn't have thought of listening to had they not put it on. Hearing, hearing the prodigy makes me feel like, ah, oh, good times are about to happen. <laughs> mm. Second up would be Let Forever Be, Chemical Brothers with Noel Gallagher. Oh, uh, nice. I can't remember Good which choice. one that's on, but I think that's number four. So, okay. you know, a lot of alt rock still back in 98, 99. I'm seeing that the that these are both kind of trippy songs. Hmm. Yeah, I think it's really telling that neither are very are guitar based. Yeah. I think that's, that shows where we were at listening to this. So, and my last choice, this was a hard one. It was almost Brother Down. But mm. Franz Ferdinand's Take Me Out got it because I think it was the, the last great one, uh, which was on number nine. And then we had to go through four more. So it was like the actually the last great song that appeared on the compilation. Wow. Um, and, you know, I, I, at the end of the day, like if you had a choice of listening to good music, but you could only pick one. Do you pick a song that makes you feel happy or do you pick a song that makes you want to dance? And the answer is you pick one that makes you want to dance because dancing is going to make you feel happy when you want to dance. Yep. Yep. You can dance sad, angry, happy, no matter what. But if you listen to a song that makes you feel happy, you're in a bad mood. That shit's not working. Yeah. So these are three songs that I think are also defined by not being anywhere in tune with the overriding sentiment of Big Shiny Yeah. yeah that really stands out. Yeah. Like yeah. I could, I could have picked Paranoid Android, but I think um, that's, that, I mean, that's an obvious choice for many reasons, but also it's too in line with the sentiments of Big Shiny Tunes as a whole. I, I stand by these decisions, Chris. <laughs> I think that's right. Because I think the amount of guitar based rock that's on this means that even the stuff that we really liked yeah. becomes watered down in hindsight. Yeah. So obviously the best song, and this isn't in my top three, it's just like it's Mount Rushmore, so we don't even need to count it. It's obviously, it's okay. Paralyzer by Finger Eleven. Uh, that's obviously the best song. Oh, wait, wait, okay. <laughs> okay, now now get to the real choice, Chris. Okay, cool. Um, I also, I wanted to do an honorable mention for um, Sam Roberts, Sloan, and Radiohead. Yeah. Because while I don't pick any of their songs... They saved so many compilations. They were the support, the extraction team that pulled you back from the edge, where whenever it was getting too much, the compilation would give us one of those three bands, and you'd be like, okay, it's time to reset. I can breathe again. This is fun. This is fine. Yeah. Um, But my top three, I also had Breathe, Breathe by Prodigy. Nice. 100%. Um, Then I had uh, Bad Touch by Bloodhound Gang. Who, uh, since us talking about it, I'm even more convinced that they're brilliant. Yeah. Um, I really think that song is art and is a phenomenal accomplishment and is also just very fun and silly. Um, And part of how I judge this, it wasn't even just what are the best songs, like in terms of the best objectively. Mm. I just went with, as I'm looking through all these songs, which ones do I want to listen to right now? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think that's the mark of a great song is that it just goes, oh, I got to listen to that right now. Yeah. Um, and so it's uh, so Breathe by Prodigy, Bad Touch by the Bloodhound Gang and fucking Scooby Snacks by Fun Loving Criminals. Oh, I was uh, you, 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 you tricked me there. <laughs> yeah. 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 I love that song. I think it's very fun. I think it's making fun of uh, or like playfully using the Tarantino thing. It's foot tap and gem. Uh, and there's nothing else like it on all the compilations. Mm. Uh, and so that that takes the the third spot. All songs from the 90s. 
All songs from the 90s. Yeah. 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 These are all um, early uh, compilation songs, except like, obviously, you know, Paralyzed by Finger Eleven, which is perfect in every way. And Sam Roberts, who is on the later ones. But uh, but really, like, I can't give enough thing. I feel like we should send. All like, right. Fine. Fruit. Fuck. Fuck. Fine, man. I, you've been <laughs> you've been pushing at me this whole fucking time. It, it's a great song. All right. You're Thank right. You. Thank you for admitting it. God Thank damn you. it. Now, can we get on with our lives? figure 11 paralyzers is great inexplicably great it's i i couldn't believe it was great i feel like they were somehow uh pulling the wool over my eyes so i just i I said it was shitty because finger 11 is shitty and it's impossible usually for shitty things shitty people to make music so dancey but they did it yeah all right they nailed it fine you're not paralyzed yeah fine you're right fine are you happy but you seem to be stuck by them they want to make you move because you're standing still jordan can, can I show you this? Can I, can I show you this tattoo on my arm, man? <laughs> I, I've had this Finger 11 tattoo. I've been embarrassed to show you because I didn't want you to know you were right this whole time. But I got this the moment I heard that for the first time, which was during the making of this compilation. It's a perfect song. It's the um, it's 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 like the Washington Avenue grill of music. <laughs> you got your ahi it's perfect tuna. in every way. It's the ahi tuna, ahi tuna of, of alt-rock dance songs. <laughs> ahi tuna. You got Sunsets, Washington Avenue grill, White Rock, British Columbia. Love it. <laughs> um, okay. But I, I want to say a, yeah. a special thank you to Sam Roberts, Sloan, and Radiohead. Yeah. I think we owe them fruit baskets as a thank you because they really fucking held it down. I, I, um, I agree. I, I had I had that as a note. I would also, um, uh, even to some extent, include Billy Talent on that yeah. list as well because uh, they they yeah, they at least made everything post New Millennium a little bit more bearable and nuanced. Yeah. Yeah. I will absolutely allow for that. All right. Well, that was a fun time down memory lane. <laughs> Let's get to the worst of yeah. <laughs> two hundred. So we had to leave two hundred and fifty-five songs off of our bottom three list. Chris decided that we were going to choose our top three uh, songs, but also uh, our bottom three worst songs. The worst songs, and and mm. we're we're talking about a compilation that had at best, I don't know, eight genuinely decent songs, generally mm-hmm. good to sometimes great songs, maybe, maybe twelve. So the the way that I started narrowing this down is I looked through the playlist and anytime my reaction of being reminded of a song was, oh, fuck, I, I added that. <laughs> and so yeah. this wasn't even narrowing. This was I, I ended up with 26 songs <laughs> that elicited that reaction. So narrowing down 26 songs that reached levels of awful that are depthless, it was almost mm. impossible because... Even like we're talking about, we're not talking about 26 like meh or bad songs. We're talking about 26 of some of the worst songs I've ever heard in my life. Mm hmm. Oh, yeah. I'm curious about what your process was of that. Uh, I can we can, I can tell you what my three are now or I want to know if you had like a similar experience to what, what, what should we get to first? <laughs> I sort of had to half cheat on this one because like when I when I when I proposed these, they were like literally we were talking on Facebook and um, we were trying to see what we wanted out of this last episode. And I just gave a quick list off the top of my head of like best, worst, blah, blah, blah. Like just cover yeah. the bases and the normal stuff. And then we'll figure out the other stuff to do later. Yeah. And this was one of them. And it's and it stayed in. I don't because I didn't edit them. 
going back and looking at these songs, like I forgot basically all of the songs on these compilations. Like I can't hear any of them in my head anymore. They're dead to me. <laughs> um, and that's that's part of the joy of being me is um, I can't <laughs> smell bad smells a lot of the time. Yeah. So like Sadaf will be Sadaf and I'll be somewhere and she'll be like, "Do you smell that?" And I'll be like, "No." But and I'll be like, "But do you smell the flowers?" She's like, "No, there's it smells like shit. Someone took a shit right next to us." And I'm like, "No, there's a hint of flower in the air. I can't smell that shit at all." So there's something about the way that my brain works that it just filters out a lot of garbage and gets rid of it. So as a result, there's a lot of bands on here that like I remember hating. <laughs> yeah. But I couldn't tell you the song. Ill Scarlet stands out. Uh-huh. Under Oath, don't remember that song at all. Trapped, I remember hating Trapped, but I can't remember what it sounded like or why. Like literally not a note, mm-hmm. no sense of where the title comes into the chorus. Just gone from my mind completely. Sure. Yeah. So what I had to do was um, <laughs> I I ended up, and this is, this is sort of cheating, uh, which I feel bad about, uh, but it was the best that I could do without going back and listening. And let's be honest, I wasn't going to fucking do that. Um, so, so... Um, the first worst song on my top three is The Tea Party. All of their songs. They're all the same except for the writings on the wall because they did change on that one, so it's not on the list. We're talking Tea Party, all their other songs. It's the same song. It's just art house snuff films. It's garbage. Yeah. So Tea Party is the number one worst song. <laughs> Second worst song is Default Theory of a Dead Man, Nickelback, and Puddle of Mud. All the same song. Okay. All the same song by four bands spanning over albums. It's all the same song. Number two worst song. Yeah. Third worst song, Screamo. They all sound the same. They're all garbage. I hate the haircut. Fuck them. Mm-hmm. Um, so my thing that bothered me the most about these is that it's um, the same garbage over and over and over again. Right. And A, I hated it when it happened. Uh, B, I hate that it was mimicked. C, I hate that it was repeated. Yeah. <laughs> and so those are the three worst songs for me. That this this idea of like grouping together the puddle of muds theory of a dead man nickel fault. Mm-hmm. That that's totally understandable and it's hard to narrow down. So it makes sense to group them together. But I, I was thinking about this idea, um, and just to go back to the thought of things just being like worse versions of each other, like almost like a photocopy mm-hmm. of a photocopy. Mm-hmm. Do you remember, like, I think it was actually the last episode when we we're talking about that horrible you song, uh, Blood on My Hands, where you, oh, I think yeah. you used an analogy saying that these are, this is a band that doesn't even realize it's influenced by Allison Chains mm-hmm. because they're that many steps removed, but it's almost like it's that much more of a mutation. And, mm-hmm. and I think, like, even trying to comprehend the awfulness of this, I think that's like a big part of the unexplicable. Uh, awfulness not not to be confused with uh, unexplained sadness <laughs> in a very like kafka-esque absurdist way the awfulness just repeats itself and clones itself through different mm. bands so I, I had the same struggle too just trying to narrow that down but i ended up trying to make a, a variety as well um but it's a little bit different than yours because i think these yours are more of a stylistic corporatized version of what the compilations relied on consistently which is a great way to define the awfulness but i had to choose my awfulness mine's more of like an emotional <laughs> uh <laughs> reaction so my my first choice for the worst song that appeared on all 14 of the big shiny tunes goes all the way back to 1999 Big Shiny Tunes 4, Serial Joe Mistake. 
Oh, I was wondering if that would make it. <laughs> yeah, fuck them kids. That's what I say. Fuck them kids. <laughs> uh, partially because I, I, I see a version of myself that could have happened in, in this. Mm. And I, while a part of me should empathize with, you know, they're just teenagers, the fact that an industry already existed to crank out a sort of alternative aesthetic, but... Um, all mm. like get get some teenagers involved who are totally inept. Like this this song is just bad. Yeah. On a level where it doesn't even sound like professional, which you'd think would it's, give it some amateur charm or something, but You know who it reminded me of? Like the alt rock version of that Friday song? <laughs> yes, Rebecca Black. Remember that girl Rebecca Black, yeah, and yeah. everyone hated her so much for it. And it was like, this is no worse than Serial Joe. Serial Joe is a good is a good starting point because it brings you to the next band that I chose, which appears two compilations later, um, Puddle of Mud Control. <laughs> nice, uh, nice. I don't understand where this song came from. I don't understand the relationship that's trying to be defined in it. If you remember, uh, talks about how he loves the ways in which his ass gets smacked. Oh yeah, love the way you smack my ass. <laughs> <laughs> a bewildering line. But just just another aberration of mainstream culture kind of taking the sentiments of angst by, you know, like a Nirvana type band or a band that existed six years before and fully it's it's like the death knell. It's the death rattle yeah. of of that kind of um angst grunge aesthetic. It's Nirvana for uncles. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but like like uncles who like they're your uncle, but they don't have any relationship with your cousins anymore. <laughs> they're just like yeah, <laughs> the absentee father uncle, and not like the creepy uncle way, like the loser uncle way, <laughs> the one that's always asking to borrow money from your dad. Yeah, that uncle. Yeah, the song just straight up sucks, dude. But um, so we and and then my next song appears eight compilations later really wanted to give this to jared leto um i think it's absurd that big shiny tunes gave this band a platform considering who he was but i as i talked about in the last episode the the visceral hatred i felt deep within myself i still don't really understand where it comes from but i uh would give anything to go back in time and not have to listen to all to myself by Mariana's Trench. Ah, yeah. There's yeah. there's something about these guys that I I can't really put into words why I think they might be some of the worst people. <laughs> not not like I and I we've rarely said this about any of the bands. Like we're we're ta- I, we're focused on songs, but I think these people should be investigated. I don't know what for, but yeah, yeah. Normally we go out of our way to stop ourselves from saying like, listen, we don't know these people. We just hate their music. <laughs> But yeah, fuck those guys. Yeah. So uh, again, this was narrowed down from 26 songs. If you had asked me on another day, maybe they'd be interchangeable. But um, just listen to, uh, we'll we'll make a Spotify playlist of the worst songs that appeared on here afterwards if uh, (laughs) we think it's worth it. But um, yeah, I, I, I just don't think I ever want to hear these songs again. Like I would never even try to show these songs to people to show how bad songs are anymore. Like I, I no. legitimately don't ever want to um, experience <laughs> the feelings of this again. So yeah. Yeah. You, and you should never have to, it's garbage. And um, we listen to it. So you don't have to basically yeah. that was, that's you're welcome listeners. 
avoid Mariana's Trench at all times. <laughs> all to myself. It was that one, right? Yeah. <laughs> I'm just, nah, I'm, I'm, nah. I'm on, I'm, I'm, I'm on, I'm on YouTube right now and I'm, I'm just trying to remember. Oh, which you better not fucking play this. I'm not, I'm not going <laughs> to play it. I just want to, oh, the office one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, 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 that's right. I was just trying to remember which one it was. Acapella Creeps. <laughs> for, for, that's right. For a second, I thought it was the band that, uh, do you remember the one where the guy keeps looking in the mirror and um and and he all he sees is a demon and he's like walking down the street like the guy in the verve bumping into people and then at the end he goes into a bar and he sees a girl and he realizes she's the demon yeah what and, the fuck uh, was that again <laughs> i thought that was mariana's trench in my head it was someone else but i i thought that that one i fucking that's probably my least favorite favorite music video but um yeah they're all i mean yeah just that's a great top three bottom three i guess yeah <laughs> um but oof yeah never again never gonna listen to those songs again so we've gotten that out of the way. We've done the lists. The lists are done. Yeah. When you look back on this, because we've been, we started doing this almost a year ago was when we decided to start doing it. Yeah. And 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 I think that decision really happened because of the pandemic too. Yeah, very much so. We both had a lot of downtime. We were sort of talking. We'd had the idea a few months beforehand when I was in Montreal visiting you. Then we finally followed through with it around this time last year. We, we mm-hmm. pre-recorded the first six episodes before we released them, so we had something to lean back on. So we started long before anyone had heard us. So when you look back on the last, let's say, 12 months, what things about recording this do you think are going to stick with you? Probably the absurdity of the endeavor. We spent more time trying to put into words why things are as awful as they are in the case of many of these songs uh probably more time than the people who wrote the songs spent hmm. writing the songs yeah so, definitely. so that to me seems kind of absurd <laughs> in a way because to on some level it's like it just seems elemental to me like you just hear something and it's bad in the same way that a mosquito lands on you and you know it's annoying it's just it's just obvious i I appreciate the kind of self-reflection of why we may have some of the tastes we have and like why some things are just funny in their awfulness and realizing what kind of standards you apply and 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 you know like even just being a music snob to some level. Like I, I enjoy trying to let my guard down for things that I knew that I shouldn't like, but I realize I do like, and that realizing on some level that I, my taste isn't as um, strict and as pretentious as I or other people in my life may think sometimes, but. <laughs> or even hope. Yeah. But this is on the list of at least like the, one of the top 100 worst things that Canada has ever done to people that live <laughs> within the country is the the existence of this. So I, I think that's what really sticks with me is that it went on for so long and it was so bad that I it makes me question existence to some extent. So it is very funny how like because of our tastes and how we sort of grew away from this music mm-hmm. that this is basically like this is essentially capturing what was popular. This is zeitgeist music. And the fact that both of us, it felt niche. Like, we just had no idea this was going on. Like, it was some <laughs> underground scene. Yeah. It was before we recorded, I did a stream on Twitch. And I was talking to uh, to my viewers about it. And a lot of them are, are regular listeners to the podcast. And and one of them, she's, uh, she's 21. Mm-hmm. And she said that 13 was the first time that she knew every song. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So, that's like... Oh yeah, of course people will have grown up with this music. It's a whole other world. Yeah. 
Whereas I was looking through it and I was like, I don't think I'd heard of any of these bands except like, I think Weezer Pork and Beans is on there. Yeah. It's funny that people definitely grew up, this was on the radio. Mm. You didn't have to look this music up and neither of us heard any of it. <laughs> so. Well, we, we got off easy to some, ex- to some extent, yeah. Yeah, we were lucky we grew up in the early ones. Those are unequivocally the best ones. I mean, for me, it's more like the things that stand out for me as memories that I think will stick with me are things like, I don't think I was quite as traumatized by you, but part of that is because I didn't have to re-listen to it over and over again. <laughs> yeah. So I didn't have it like drip. Once we'd recorded it, I could just purge myself of all information. It was fine. For me, it's things like, I'll never not laugh when I hear the word barrio. <laughs> uh, uh, I every now and... <laughs> Uh, every now and then, I find myself walking through the halls just going, in your life. <laughs> um, and then um, uh, uh, you constantly dropping in, how could this happen to me? <laughs> like that's, That sticks with me. These are all sweet, touching moments. Now I feel bad. <laughs> yeah. I had a really nice time. The picture of you at the dance and a girl saying no, <laughs> and then you went and found your friend who was dressed exactly like you, mm-hmm. and a bully was literally holding him by his ankles, shaking the change out of his pockets. Yep. That, that is forever in me right now. I will <laughs> never forget that. That is a moment. That is such a rich picture in my mind. And then I, the thing, I think, I think the reason this will really stick with me, and it's affected how I look at this band completely now, is some 41's descent. Yeah. I I was shocked at how much I was taken by and felt for that band as we tracked the singer's mental health yeah. decline. Yeah. Um that is that is really going to stick with me. Every time I hear their song now, that's that's what I think of is not like no one moment in time, not the not the fun, is it in too deep where DMX rides in right. to the house party? Yeah. Like those those are the memories that I used to have, and I still have those, but now it's more like, damn, that was a fucking ride for these kids. Yeah. And you can hear them breaking down. And that's that's definitely gonna stick with me. That was a surprisingly powerful thing about listening to this for me was just seeing what fame did to these happy go lucky, silly kids. Yeah. And like not even huge fame, like pretty, pretty big, you know, huge in Canada and known in the States. Yeah. Like it's hard not to see big shiny tunes and and the music industry itself as kind of the reason for some 41's breakdown, meaning that like Mm. that kind of level of don't worry that we're about to have a party uh, can can never really last on some level. Mm. And whether that's because life doesn't work like that or whether it's just because it's false to begin with. Yeah, I, th- I think that's that's a really good point you brought up, at least. Like. When you think about the Gus mm. in general, which is, of course, a great unknown sadness, a term that we coined, so next time you hear it on the streets, it's a big, shiny podcast thing. Tell your friends, Gus. Um, <laughs> when you think of that and how hegemonic it was yeah. in these compilations, what do you think led to it? Because like for me, it was tied to i mean it clearly came out of grunge yeah it was it was a grunge acolyte but but it's every now when i think about this and i I must have i must have talked about it on the podcast before but that um someone said or tweeted years ago i miss when people were happy and music was sad (laughs) right and that was the 90s because life was pretty good in the 90s overall um on a on a society level and that stuck in until like 2008 
largely, I mean, 2001 broke the idea of it because, you know, 9-11, there's still like, you know, things were okay until the economy collapsed. There was a lot more fear after 2001, but it felt like the sadness that like, you know, Nirvana and that whole uh, Soundgarden, Screaming Trees, Smashing Pumpkins, Smashing Pumpkins, uh, that whole era tapped into was a direct reaction to the overt party of Guns N' Roses, Van Halen, John Bon Jovi, um, that kind of stuff. So it's more like introspective sadness as opposed to why has the world done this to me self-pity. Yeah. But because it resonated with too large of a group and they found that sadness is like this infinite well that you can just feed music into and take money out of, um, it weirdly became like a caricature of itself. And then when things got bad, they didn't know how to be anything but feel sorry for themselves. And so what's supposed to happen is when things get bad, music gets happy. Mm-hmm. When things get good, music gets sad. And it's that balance between the two, and that's cool. But it really felt like it. they like swallowed themselves in this um, uh, parody of Kurt Cobain. Yeah. Specifically, uh, because he became like the, the idol, the avatar for yes. that era. Yeah, agreed. That inability to anchor it anywhere and just the blindness of, of the self-pity and rage, the aimlessness of it made it impossible to control and so once you'd given into it there was no way out because it was just this black fog of sad yeah maybe a black hole sun even would be the- <laughs> perhaps a black hole sun yeah won't you come oh it did come and it took billions of dollars from us yeah and it made papa roach famous and and took chris cornell himself you know took chris cornell himself absolutely it's, it's hard not to see the 90s to some extent as the last sort of generation that was going to take down the establishment and and i think the the irony is that like the last time that it truly happened on a kind of cultural level at least um where the west is concerned was in the 60s and that was a more prolonged hopeful idealization of what the world could be and that people were going to change the world through art and song mm-hmm. uh and then as that got co-opted and commercialized especially the music itself like uh, if if you want a good blueprint for seeing how to just regurgitate the same sentiments over and over again throughout culture until it loses its all its meanings, look at the top 100 of the 60s. Some some of the most amazing songs of all time are on there, but yeah, um, it's hard not to see a lot of that music as very naive to a certain extent because I I think that people legitimately thought peace and love would be enough to bring down everything. And then yeah. when when I think they realized not only was it not enough to bring things down, but it would actually be used against them, that generation just decided, well, fuck it, at least we're going to be able to charge uh, $60 a head for a concert or mm-hmm. something. They, they just, they capitalized it on themselves. And so the sons and daughters of that generation were the Kurt Cobains, you know, like they, these mm-hmm. were the, the Gen X group. And when they themselves actually tapped into like a bigger zeitgeist of the frustration of living in this world with like annoying hippie parents, so disconnected from reality and how um, the economics of things were becoming even more disparate between people, which, you know, by the way, like people made way more in the nineties than they even do today. Like things are only getting worse, but I, I think what's, in particular is what what is so sad about the 90s is just how that kind of brief exciting moment of 
this feeling of like, okay, they fucked up in the 60s, but actually we're going to do it this time. It was even shorter than the 60s. Like, I think you can really pinpoint a certain uh, a certain moment where even mainstream culture itself was like, uh-oh, like something's stirring about, like, what do we do? It's like, well, we do what we always did. We make this shit famous, and then we just figure out how to make a lot of money off of it. Yeah. And that being said, I, I think Big Shiny Tunes is definitely the music equivalent to you know, the patriarchy or something. Very, few, very few women uh, mm. on it and very few songs made by uh, people of color, which while that fact can be seen as a little unfair and revisionist because of the spirit of our times today, what mm. oozes out of this whole disgusting mess the most to me is just how angry, gross, and unimaginative most of mm. white culture seems through this framing of it. Yeah. And, you know, on that topic itself, like never, ever, never, ever has there been a race of people so protective and self-righteous in defending something that should only be moved away from. The way that white culture is uh, uh, perpetrated in this way, and I used to I used to have a joke about it and I might I might bring it back and rewrite it a little bit because it never quite worked. But I love the idea of it is because like all white culture is in the past. Yeah. You know, it's it's polka music. It's a, a, a river dance. Every modern white cultural movement was stolen from largely black people, uh, whether it's fashion or music or anything like that. Um, and the, the, the anger, the sort of the, the anger that you feel by, by the great unknown sadness is it reminds me of when I'm in London. Mm-hmm. And so when you're on the tube, when you're on the platform waiting for the tube, there are um, there are signs that tell you when the next train is coming and what its destination is. Yeah, and it just says next train to um, Waterloo, whatever. That's not one of the end. It's been a year and a half since I've been on the tube, so I've forgotten where they all fucking go now. <laughs> but um, next train to Victoria Station is uh, in coming in two minutes, and they put that in because when people didn't know when it was coming, they would freak out. <laughs> And I've seen it where the the sign goes down and people just start getting a bit like, when when is the next fucking train coming? It's like, you got here 30 seconds ago, buddy. I was here before you. I saw yeah. you walk up to this platform. But they just get antsy and like a little like, ugh, ugh, just, ugh, you know? And, uh, and that's the anger that I feel is that sort of impotent waiting for something to happen because you can't do anything about the situation mm-hmm. um, that I think is inbuilt in, in modern white culture because we have a sense of like, all of our heroes are on Mount Rushmore. You know, you get the Beatles and things like that. And we've got the sense of like, oh, we'll never top them. So basically, we've given up on culture in general of like improving culture because we say nothing will ever be better than Led Zeppelin. Right. And as a result, we're all just waiting for something to happen. and But we also feel special. And so it should be us that does it. Yeah. And so the combination of we don't think anything great will ever happen again. All, all good things were in the past. And uh, it should be me that's doing it. Why does no one recognize my genius? Because I should be put on television immediately. Do you know, sorry to cut you off, but do you know the um, Radiohead song off the Benz uh, called the Benz, the the title track of that song where he says, I wish it was the 60s. I wish I could be happy. I wish, I wish something would happen. Like he, he nailed it. He nailed it back in 95. Like <laughs> that's white people. Yeah, that's exactly white culture. And that's, that might be the closest I've seen to mass Gus, yeah, uh, energy in real life is is that 
Um, all right, we've talked about Gus enough. <laughs> Fucking Gus. Well, I mean, we talked about Gus enough for this one episode. Like Gus, we we will never be able to encapsulate what Gus is because I think it's it's a self creating uh, state of mind or something. Like it, it's it's perpetually mutating into different offshoots of uh the initial sentiment which also is like hard to deal with because i think on some level too like all of this stuff let us not forget like goes i think beyond than just like white culture being shitty it it, it really just goes down to uh i mean i i don't want to get like too uh freudian but i i do think on some level like all of this just has to do with people having really shitty coping mechanisms with the fact that they're all going to die someday <laughs> yeah maybe i mean it's all it's definitely tied to like at least low level depression yeah god wouldn't it be great if as mental health wellness culture becomes yeah. normalized we just see this disappear oh totally so let's let's move on to what is something that you will never forgive big shiny tunes for because i have a couple there are yeah. a couple of things that i think are egregious yeah, that they did not just to us, but attempted to do to Canada. And good for Canada for stop listening. I just want to say, you know what? Congratulations, Canada, to just turn this turn this off. To go, <laughs> not not never again, never again. Big shiny tunes. We're done with you. Yeah. I just want to congratulate. I think Ontario might be the only place where, it, like, I bet I bet we'll find out that like the biggest sales were in Manitoba or something, and 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 they were the ones that kept going, but largely. <laughs> Nobody or like one town, yeah. Just don't just Mississauga. <laughs> They're responsible for the eighty thousand copies that Big Shiny Tunes thirteen sold. I mean, for me, it's like the last song. I know I went on about it in the last episode. Mm-hmm. I will never forgive them for the last song being a default song. Yeah, I am furious about that. I think that is so so bad. And even if they didn't know that it was going to be the last one, they must have kind of known it was going to be. It was literally the, the final nail of the coffin. <laughs> yeah. These these fucks. Um, and then, I mean, the other, the other two things that came to mind were like the fact that they gave us hope on nine. Yeah. You know, because you can't have tragedy without hope. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, that's a... That's a... It's, you can't do it. You've got to give them hope and take it away. And that's what nine was. I hope this person that I've been having sex with isn't secretly my mom... <laughs> Yeah, and then it is. So you go, no, but you had hope because you had good reason to think that it wasn't your mom. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, and it's like when Nine, when they finally went, okay, we're going to move into new music and we're going to embrace it, that uh, tastes are changing. And then they just fucking doubled back and went back into Gus. Yeah. I'm furious about. But that most, the thing that I don't think I'll ever be able to forgive the programmers of Big Shiny Tunes for, my number one mm. unforgivable Please, please, please be what I think you're about to say. <laughs> uh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure that it is, but it's going to be the songs that they chose. Okay. I don't think it's acceptable <laughs> that they chose the songs that they chose when we were able to find enough music week to week mm-hmm. for each compilation that came out that same year yeah. that we were largely aware of at the time that would have pushed this into something exciting, made it new, made it interesting, made it something worth making. Yeah. Um and the fact that they were cowards every time and chose the garbage safe songs and not even like safe safe like garbage safe like inoffensive safe. This isn't good but no one's going to be upset that it's on here safe. Yeah. Um that uh I can I just can't forgive that from a programmer and music fan 
point of view, I think that they really, really did a disservice to the people that they were supposedly trying to get music to. Yeah. And um, I hate I hate that about it. I, I agree with those sentiments for sure. I think those are rather unforgivable choices. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Thank you. They will um, never be forgiven. I, I, I was... Um, yeah, I mean, my first note uh, so for something we'll never be able to forgive them for, like, in short, existing. <laughs> like, the fact the fact that it exists. Um, but, you know, I, I went through, like, a kind of, should I talk about, uh, I can't forgive it for not taking more chances or even putting better songs on here, like you said, mm. uh, or even allowing Jared Leto and his band to have a spot on here. <laughs> I, I think that's truly in in the uh heinous acts committed by this compilation throughout the years um there are many uh distinctly awful things but the absolute thing that i will never be able to forgive this compilation for is a canadian thing which is i can't forgive them for the fact that we currently exist in a future where 90s canadian musicians are treated with a with an insular reverence that doesn't exist outside of canada (laughs) like i swear (laughs) the fact that so many of these bands existed and took themselves Mm. so seriously is 80% of the reason anybody still talks about them within Canada. Like Sloan, Sam Roberts, and even Metric and Billy Talent, I can get behind Hmm. uh, to some extent and think that these are, Hmm. like I can think that these bands are at their worst, like decent, uh, and often they're really good. And they tried to have some fun and make something engaging. And I do legitimately think it would be sad if people forgot about those bands existing within Canada. But the nostalgia industry that still exists for the acts like 90, like specifically the nineties bands like tea party, I mother mm. earth moist, our lady, our peace. lady peace, uh, finger 11 paralyzer accepted. And yeah. Paralyzer accepted. Obviously Matthew good up until recently. Yeah. That's what it took. Yeah. It was his song. Yeah. His songs weren't enough, but like the, the reverence for this thing within Canada baffles me and makes me realize how much gen xers uh, are afraid of becoming irrelevant because like social media is awful all around but the fact that these people are alive and have twitter and have a network of idiots that hang on to their every word and like mm. fuel this kind of reverence for like how great what's your hashtag favorite canadian song from the 90s like yeah. uh, can, can, like so many Canadians are so desperate for some form of community and kinship that they settle for mm. some of the worst music. And I'm, I'm including Quebec in that equation too. Like I, sim- yeah. I sympathize with the separatist movement, but at the end of the day, uh, there are just as many tacky white Francos as there are Anglophones. But I, yeah, I, you're I, not a rock cuisine fan, Jordan. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> I'm, I, I well, give me grim skunk any day. Yeah. <laughs> That's a deep cut. <laughs> If much music didn't exist and didn't have a way to capture the time of people just watching TV, we wouldn't care about these bands. Like so many of these '90s Canadian bands aren't worth remembering. Like I, I legitimately don't think um, the world is a better place because uh, Tea Party uh, got big and could sell out stadiums in Ontario. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? See, I don't. I, yeah, but I don't. I don't want to blame much music as a thing. As a, as a tool, much music could have been used to champion amazing, creative, fascinating bands. Okay. Um, but the programmers chose not to do that. I I refuse to blame um, a, a, a tool or a structure when there are literally individuals that you can blame. 
So sometimes it's structure. White supremacy is a structural problem. Much music, that was programmers and those people I blame. But that's like that's like blaming like the top four Nazis for the fact that a whole nation went along with it. <laughs> Don't go to Nazis, Jordan. You're going to pick another example right now. <laughs> no, I am not. I'm, I'm definitely not. I'm sorry. Like these people were just fulfilling the will of a of a frenzied crowd that wanted uh, their own Jim Morrison's. Like, yeah, and that's <laughs> cowardice. That's a lack of leadership and a lack of creativity. And the fact that they had the power to choose what was going to be on, that's on them. That's absolutely on them. Yeah. But so, wait, then you're saying don't blame Jeff Martin? Blame the people that allowed him to sing his songs? Yeah, we, we <laughs> I, I don't know if you remember, we talk, we used to talk about this in the in the early episodes where it's like, I'm not even mad at the bands for making the music that they made because people make bad things all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, And people are bad at things that they try. And that, whatever, that is what it is. I'm mad at the people that made them famous. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm mad at the people that saw that. But, but yeah, but uh, it was, and it was, it's, it's only a technical point that I'm making is because I agree with, I agree with you largely. Was, um, I, I'm glad that much music existed and I would have been sad if it hadn't. I wish it had been run by uh, more interesting, braver people. You would have been happier, and you would have picked up an instrument yourself and made far better music than anybody on here if much music hadn't ex- have existed. I'm convinced of that. <laughs> That's uh, possible. I don't know. I do, don't know the answer do to that. Do not stick up for much. At the end of all of this, how I, can you I even love, stick up for... I love that much music happened. How can, I loved it. I loved it too much to be mad that it existed. If... And it gave me a bunch of great stuff. Sookie and Lee with The Wedge gave me a bunch of cool stuff. Master T gave me a bunch of cool stuff to listen to. Bill Wilichka introduced me to a bunch of cool bands. There were some there was some fucking great stuff out there. That's I heard I heard of Dead Prez because George Strombolopoulos was interviewing Black Eyed Peas. And he was like, a lot of people say that your music's political, but I'm not exactly getting like a Dead Prez vibe off of it and i was like who is dead prez and so i looked it up as a result it it could be great yeah but you're making it sound as if there wasn't any other way to listen to music and i and i think like a big part of the tragedy of the music world that got created was specifically because of things like mtv and much music meaning that like community radio still existed there is always going to Mm. be a transmission of things that are on the fringe and that you haven't heard of, especially in the 90s. But I think something got lost when we had that kind of disconnect of seeing people on TV and automatically treating people like celebrities just because they had like money to make a music video uh, mm. by industry backing, like by, by upholding and mythologizing some of these songs in different uh, mediums like meaning the fact yeah. that three days grace have a music video for a song like that yeah. i think is it goes beyond big shiny tunes and uh to some extent is i think the end goal of much music which is obviously to make money they don't hmm. they're not community radio they don't sure like they hadn't when, when times were good and money was flowing in give space to suki and lee give space to the wedge and a few places but um, that was not their MO to begin with. So I, I don't know. I'm, I'm a bit torn here because I, I in, in retrospect, I, I, I was glad much music existed when I was a kid too, for the same reasons. But I think in retrospect, I think it was a bad thing that it did. So I, I, I understand that maybe, and maybe I'm being naive, but like when I, when I look at it, I think I, at the idea of much music, um, as opposed to what it became, because, you know, nothing is inevitable. It didn't have to be what it is. It just happened to become what it what it 
became. Yeah. Um, but it could have been anything. And so when I look at it, I see the possibility of what it could have been as opposed to what it is. But maybe, I mean, maybe you're right. Maybe money concerns would have driven it to the middle no matter what uh, in the same way the commercial radio is. But I still, I've, I've always got a soft spot in my heart for much music and I'm, I'm, I'm glad it existed. But I do find it difficult to, to argue against what you just said. Those are great points. Well, and, and I'm a bit torn too because I, I realize that a lot of um, my anger about this probably comes from the fact that we're still at the, uh, uh, we're, we're not quite out of COVID yet. And a big mm-hmm. part of this experience, um, as you mentioned last episode, was it, it has been nice having an outlet for a lot of the darker emotions that probably have nothing to do with the songs on some level. But yeah. the, the songs <laughs> just, it's like, it's like rubbing the uh, sore spot of where we are right now. Yeah. What it could have been, though, it, it seems like a utopia to, to some extent, mm. like that it's something that of course it could have been like so many things that are wasted potential could have been something else. But I often wonder if this again is the end result of white culture, um, that this, that this was inevitable ultimately that, that Mm. there would have been no better big shiny tunes. Uh, the only good big shiny tunes would have been as a, a programming that involved people, uh, who actively were interested in other music subgenres, electronic hip hop, um, mm. to a level that was in, could engage and, and become something, uh, or, or be more representative of all the different kind of music that was happening throughout the years. But, yeah. um, uh, whoever those people are, uh, behind, uh, the, the curtain, like, I don't know if we'll ever truly know. Um, and maybe they want to operate in secrecy too, because they, at the end of the day, they don't really care about music is what I kind of feel. I, I, yeah. I, yeah, that's possible. I mean, I would love to find out that they were someone who was unapologetic, but also didn't mind our criticism. In an ideal world, we would be able to find someone who was responsible for the programming of at least like a couple of these albums at any point in it. And we could just go whole hog. Why? Why did you do this? I hate what you did. Yeah. Why did you do this? And they could be like, well, this is why I did it. And that's uh, that's okay. They won't get upset that we're angry about it. Uh, that would be a dream for me. I really, really want that interview. Like an affable Rick Rubin type. <laughs> yeah, 100%. Who just doesn't care? Who just isn't like, just doesn't care that we're angry? Yeah. Because they've got a life and they're fine and our opinions mean rightfully nothing to them. That would be awesome. God, I want that so bad. Yeah. We don't even need to record it. I'll d- we'll do it off mic. I just want to talk to this person. Yeah, I, d- I don't... I have a feeling that's not who they are, though. Um, I don't know if my internet search was accurate, but I looked up one of the names in the last Big Shiny Tunes 14, and I'm pretty sure yeah. one of them, after doing a few more compilation series, like they, they moved on to Now Music for a few years, which also sort of continued this... Mm. Uh, some of the subgenres we saw in this. It seems like... They had a brief moment off, according to their LinkedIn, and then mm. uh, became a real estate agent. <laughs> so, yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, <laughs> I think so. I think. I mean, you yeah. can't you can't arrange you can't arrange compilations forever. <laughs> yeah, well, but it's what does that say about um, the series that the the log- the next logical career path after <laughs> choosing the songs of the Canadian music industry is selling houses for Remax. Yeah, yeah, it's not it's not great. Cuz you would think and you would hope like as a as a lifelong 
heavy music fan. Like I'd listen to new albums weekly to this day. I was watching like a recap of Eurovision the other day. Okay. I got mad because the Iceland song, which was the best song, in my opinion, was ripping off that Dua Lipa song. Okay. That's been on the radio for ages. And the only reason I know the Dua Lipa song is because I don't, I don't fucking listen to radio. Right. I just see what people are talking about and I go, oh, I'll check that out because I, I love music. And so I want to be... And that, um, what is it? Levitate, levitating or levitation or whatever. It's like... It's not for me. It's a fucking. It's a good pop song. It's really well made. It's well orchestrated. That the baby uh, verse in the middle is like okay, and it suits it really well. But like, I fucking love music, and I, I, it bothers me that music curation in things like this, and maybe it's because mixtapes were such a yeah important thing when I was a kid, mm-hmm. and so the curating of them felt like really important. Um, that that's not a job that you can have and is like respected of like listen to this i guess djs like if you if you find like a really good dj who will who will play the night and you go wow this is a fucking great collection but even that's sort of ephemeral yeah yeah that someone that programs something as big and and culturally significant as big shiny tunes was for a moment doesn't then go on to a career within it is very funny because (laughs) of what big shiny tunes became Mm -hmm. but also like a real goddamn shame yeah, a real goddamn shame indeed. <laughs> a real god that should be. I want to find out that there's like a, a 90 year old man who's still curating the best compilations <laughs> in music, and he's been going since. Like, there's pictures of him shaking hands with Dick Van Dyke. Yeah, and and Mariana's <laughs> fucking trench. Yeah, well, oh no, Mariana's trench tries to shake his hand. And he goes, oh, too slow," and just walks away. <laughs> yeah, and and like, I, I that's that's what I want. I would love that. And it disappoints me it's not a thing. I'm sorry for cutting you off. What were you saying? You didn't cut me off. I cut you off, bud. No, I was I was done and then I just had half a thought left and I it just came out of me because I'm still upset. <laughs> I, I don't know who would be listening to this um at this point, considering the things we said about them, but just to let my guard down a little bit, like I made fun of you a lot. Jeff Martin, I made fun of you a lot. David Usher, I made fun of you a lot. Rain Maida, uh, I made fun of you a lot. Finger Eleven guy. Um, <laughs> I think you guys are really funny. I just think you're very funny. And and the, uh, it's hard for me to separate whether the ridiculousness I feel about you is the same ridiculousness I feel about a family member that's just kind of embarrassing. And maybe there's some love there just because... I sort of recognize the ridiculousness as being something that seems very Canadian. Mm. I don't know if this is projection, but I, I wish you guys didn't seem so uppity about defending your legacy. It's fine. No one cares. You got people that care mm. in Canada, but like no ultimately you and I both know uh, if you stage a reunion tour and you go do it in some major cities throughout America or Europe, this would be a very small room and that's fine. That's fine, yeah. but you already played stadiums. You did it. Like we're we're on the same level. So stop with um asking me what my favorite 90s song was because it it doesn't matter anymore. You've had years to make better music. I'll never forgive you, <laughs> but you'll always be welcome into my house. Yeah. I have no personal malice against any of the people that I've made fun of. Well, one, but, you know. But, um, <laughs> but there's the, uh, uh, 
you know, that's, I mean, I'm sure they're fine, but this, yeah, it's just bad music. You just made bad music, and that's very funny, and it's funny to make fun of bad things. Yeah. Jeremy said nothing but nice things about all these guys. He said they were great. He talked about how Tea Party used to rock a room, yeah. which I don't understand and never will. <laughs> I'll never understand that sentence. Yeah. Everyone knows that Tea Party puts on a great show. Everyone knows? Everyone. Really? Are you fucking serious right now? What, what about the people that weren't there to see it? No, no, no. Everyone. Everyone knew. Everyone was aware. Everyone, we couldn't, they had to close. We couldn't follow Tea Party. Nobody follows Tea Party. Yeah. It's if you, if you, baffling to me. If you go all the way up to, to, to none of it, <laughs> you, you go into a local village there and ask somebody, do you know, like, uh, I'm just wondering, like, who the best Canadian band that would bring the party would be? And their answer would, of course, be Tea Party. Everyone. <laughs> tea Party. It's in the name. It's the Tea Party. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I just wish it didn't seem like they took themselves so seriously, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Because it was always be an open invitation. Tried to make this clear. Come on the show and make fun of us. It's not a competition yeah. even. Like, that would be great. It, yeah. I How funny would it be if, if Jeff Martin came on and he was like, you know the problem with Sunset Rubdown's music? And just started rinsing oh, your band. And then he's like, I Chris, it. I watched your stand-up. You fucking hack. Here's what's <laughs> terrible about your stand-up. That would be the funniest thing. That would be so great. Yeah. And and I, I don't think they realize what an opportunity they've squandered. Because that would just up their brand so much. Oh, my God. You guys would get more uh, listeners by being on our podcast. Not because we have so many. But because no. you did it. Because you broke... You broke that veil that separates Canadian rock gods from the average Canadian, which you know what that veil is? It's it's uh it's just one class of car up. That's what it is. You have a slightly better car than most Canadians. You are you're yeah, I mean, you've been able to put more of a down payment on a mortgage than most Canadians. Yeah. That's all it is. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah, that's that's. I mean, in this currently in Canada, even you can't afford a house. How about that? If you want to look at how close it is, I'm gazing on David Usher's croissant while I'm washing dishes. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. I used to. I, I remember drinking wine two tables from him while he just sort of read a book next to his baby. Yeah, you know? <laughs> they're around. They're just guys. Stop pretending that it really mattered. It's fine. Like yeah, we love you for it. Cool, good for you. It's, good for you. It, it gave me so many laughs um, throughout all of this, and and I love you guys for that. I, I'll always love you for how funny. It's not even just a full on mocking funny. It's an actual ah, oh, so Canadian. <laughs> yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. It's it's funny in a way that we can only get because we're part of your tribe. Yeah, and you you can't. The more, the more you try to not be Canadian, like the more that becomes part of the MO to separ- to distinguish yourself as not a Canadian as a thing, uh, you're just doomed because it's always going to come. Like the best way to not seem Canadian is just get out of Canada. <laughs> yeah. Just leave. Just, and we'll keep claiming you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Alex Trebek, Canadian till he died in our hearts. Yep. Always Canadian. <laughs> Neil Young, always last... Canadian, even though he probably only lived in Canada until he was like 16. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, left as soon as he could. <laughs> Canadian though. Canadian guy. So let me let me ask you one last question, Jordan. Okay, Chris. Are you glad that we did this? Uh it depends what your definition of glad means. 
Okay, don't Bill Clinton me. (laughs) (laughs) It depends what your definition of Bill is. Is he Bill Clinton, former president of the United States, or is he Jimmy Carter in disguise? We'll never know (laughs) until we crack Epstein brain. Definitely not. Jimmy Carter was a real progressive. Um, Definitely. When my children ask me, you were alive during COVID. What was that like? I'll automatically think of some hilarious song that we spent time and effort roasting as opposed to sitting in my room and staring at a wall and wondering when I was going to die. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. Um, it's, uh, well, let me tell you kids during COVID, I just sat there and I thought, how could this happen to me? <laughs> like ultimately glad. Yes. Um, did I like it all the time? No. But I, I do think it, it, it feels like one of those things that um, it felt good to get out of the system. It's a weird accomplishment, uh, but I'm glad I can add that on my resume of life experiences. <laughs> mm. That's a good answer. I like that. It's just weird. It's a weird thing yeah. to have attached to your name as having yeah. done. <laughs> Most people don't and shouldn't even care about that but i'm glad it's just uh if somebody if somebody 20 years down the road just talks about oh you know what i was listening to the other day big shiny tunes three i'll be like you listen to big shiny tunes three i listened to every single one and did a podcast yeah. about it <laughs> what the it's fuck funny you say that that's that's my friend chris's favorite big shiny tunes. <laughs> chris are you glad that we did this i'm so glad that we did this yeah. man i love that we did this i mean on like it was daunting um, and not in the sense of like when we started, yeah. Uh, but at, on, in a day to day sense, like the day that I knew that I couldn't put off listening to Big Shiny Tunes ten any longer because I needed to be ready for a recording, yeah, that was daunting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, um, when when we got to seven and we realized that we were only halfway done, that was daunting. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm glad that we did it though. I think it's a very f- it's a fun, dumb thing to do. Yeah. And I love doing fun, dumb things. Yes. Um, and basically, this is for us. Well, and that's like, the thing, too. It's uh, On some level, I'm most glad that we found a way to trick ourselves into being able to stay friends in a way that is more annoying, I think, when you're trying to keep up a friendship long distance because it's not just like, hey, man, how's it going out there? What's new? Da, yeah. da, da. It actually, we tricked ourselves into being able to hang out during the pandemic and stay connected. Uh, so for, for that, I'm truly glad. Yeah, me too. Absolutely. Because I've got like, I've got friends where, yeah, I'll, I'll call them every now and then and we'll talk for maybe half an hour, but we haven't done anything because it's fucking COVID. Yeah. And so like the um the only people that I've been able to stay on with for long times are either like you doing this or uh John Hastings where we do the untitled Twitch stream every night. Yeah. Or um I I was in a, a film club for David Lean films with two of my friends, Garrett and Alex. Right. And we would talk for three hours and it would go we wouldn't get to talking about the film for an hour and a half. But if we didn't have the film to get to, we never would have talked that long. Which is why, for the the sake of our friendship, we're just going to be doing podcasts until we die. Essentially, yeah, one hundred percent. We're just going to keep making things. We don't know. We don't know what season two is going to be yet, but yeah. we just decided there's going to be a season two of this. Yeah, which is pretty much us saying that we still want to be friends. I think. Yeah, that's if, it. We just want to hang out more. If our friendship can stay atta- intact 
going through the awfulness of this, then I'm pretty sure we'll be okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're gonna be good. Yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, I'm super glad that we did, and it was really fun to. Um, I got a real kick out of every time I'd be talking to someone, and they would go, "Oh shit, big shiny dunes!" I hadn't thought of that. I go, "Yeah, I do a podcast about it." They go, "No way!" And like the excitement that people had when they when they found out it was a thing and they could go and listen to it. Like, I, I love that. I love the messages that I got from friends and from people that were listening of um, things that they agreed with or things that they didn't agree with um, yeah. or, like, little jokes that they loved. I love that shit. Um, I've told maybe I, tops three people of <laughs> this podcast yeah. existence. <laughs> uh, not because I'm ashamed, but I, I at first I'm like, am I, is it because I'm embarrassed about how much time I'm spending talking about something truly awful? But I think... Uh, it has something more to do with the fact that I just like the fact that if somebody um, was looking into me, it would just, mm. what the fuck? That's something yeah. that that person <laughs> did. So, yeah. Yeah. It's, um, I, love, I fucking love that we did this. It's so dumb. Yeah. So, so, it's so dumb. Yeah. So dumb. So fun. I love that we did this. Yeah. And uh, I want to say thanks to our listeners for listening. You guys have kept listening, which is great. I check the listening numbers every now and then. And, uh, and you're still here, which is remarkable because I know you didn't listen to all these goddamn albums. Yeah. So, uh, so we we appreciate you uh, coming back week after week and checking it out. Um, if you want to contribute any money towards it, because Jordan, all the money will just go to Jordan because Jordan edited everything. He's worked like a part time job doing this <laughs> shit. <laughs> um, um, if you want, if you want to contribute, give us a give us a tweet and we'll send you a link to send some money in. Um, but uh, thanks for listening. We'll be back with another project in a few months in in terms of that we so we set up a patreon for this and then we didn't do anything with it and we didn't push it at all because we're we're just not good at this really no. um, podcasting is hard work <laughs> it's hard work there's a lot to keep up with um and we've had one patron all the way throughout and it's uh, it's baldy and so we want to say thank you baldy for all your support just the best let me tell you, I don't know you, and I know you're a solid bro. Just the best. Yeah, just man. love that guy. Look at look 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 in the mirror. Do you see that handsome, awesome dude staring back? That's you, Baldy. That's you, big guy. That's you. Um, and yeah. Thank you so much for listening to the Big Shiny Podcast. Uh, thank you to our guests, Mark Teo and Jeremy Taggart, for coming on. They were great. Absolutely. Definitely check both of them out. Mark's book again is Shine. Uh, which is a book about the making of the first Big Shiny Tunes. And it's sort of the first couple chapters are about Big Shiny Tunes. Then after that, it's sort of a, a each chapter is about a different Canadian band that features on the compilation. It's great. If you're a fan of Canadian music, definitely check it out. And Jeremy Taggart has a Taggart and Torrance podcast with Jonathan Torrance. Yeah. Um, Canadiana book. Uh, he was a drummer in Our Lady Peace. All around good guy. Totally. Um, and mostly think, thank you to you, Jordan. Oh, well, thank you to you, my bearded friend. It's been a fucking delight. It has. Uh, I'm going to... The, the, <laughs> it's the only way that uh, it would have been nice if they kept making Big Shiny Tunes. It would just be another weekly check-in. But I guess we say goodbye for a little bit in this uh, world of talking about shitty music. But fear not, my friend, because shitty music will always exist. <laughs> oh, yeah. Always. There's no lack of that. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, thank you so much uh, for me, Chris Betts. If you want to keep me in your ears, 
I have another podcast called the Chris Betts Versus Podcast where I debate with comedians. That's on a break right now as well. I finished season one a few weeks ago, but you can go back and check that out. I'm also on Twitch five or six days a week at twitch.tv slash Chris Betts. So if you enjoy the show and you're on Twitch, you can check it out there. I've also got stand-up and stuff on YouTube. And so for me, Chris Betts and Jordan Robson Kramer, who check out his bands, Holy Data, excellent album. We have we have an album that we still haven't released. It's been three years. <laughs> There's another Holy Data album coming eventually, but the one that they released, I've got it on vinyl. I bought it from your store, I think. Yeah, um, I sure did. Thank you. And uh, it was shipped out. It's fucking great. I love that album. Uh, so yeah, check, Holy Data is his last. Your last release was that album, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm uh, I'm not much of a plugger. I'm more of a hugger. Yeah, come by, come by Phenopolis when this is all over. Give Jordan a hug. Yeah, buy some records and give him a hug. <laughs> tell him, tell him you're a fan of the Big Shiny podcast. He'll love to hear it. And um, yeah, oh, you can follow me on Twitter as well at Mr. Chris Betts. Um, if you want to see when I'm going to be performing live, because stand up will be coming back soon. Hot damn, hot damn, hot diggity damn. Yeah, can't wait, man. Can't <laughs> wait. I'm going to write some fucking jokes about I'm Mother Earth. <laughs> oh, I hope so. <laughs> I actually, I think I might, because I'm recording an album that was supposed to be recorded before all this happened uh-huh. at some point in the next few months, and there is a there is a joke about Finger Eleven in there. Did it? So. Did, it did it predate this podcast? Yeah, yeah. Is it, you came and saw me in Montreal, right? Yeah, yeah. It was in there. Oh yeah, I remember now. Okay, nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, so yeah, so Finger Eleven already gets a shout out in there, but um, yeah, I. Uh, now just rambling thank you so much for listening this has been uh the first season of the big shiny podcast no idea where we're going from here but we will be back with another thing to cover um thanks for listening uh we love you have a nice summer bye get vaccinated